Testing one, testing one. No, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get by without that. Let's praise the Lord.
our hands together one more time and thank God that he's here today with us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. What an incredible day it is. I don't know about you, but I'm freezing cold. I don't know what this uh, weather's all about here, but I'm cold. But what a beautiful day we have ahead of us at Stratford Heights. Is anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? And today, I know I am. We pray today that God's grace would just be all over this facility and it'd be on every face and every moment and every action that's done today. We want to share the love of God and we want to have an excellent time today. We're thankful that you're here in service today. If you're a visitor, we believe that you're home today. We believe you found a church home and uh, we want to love you and we want to welcome you right now. So if you would, we're going to get out of the aisles and uh, we're going to welcome our visitors and one another to God's house this morning.
praise you, Lord. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb.
you. Now in this atmosphere of worship and prayer, we're going to turn our focus towards Israel. We're going to join together and pray for them. It's a little country about the size of Rhode Island. It's completely surrounded by people who hate them for their faith in our God. They're pressed on all sides, but we know that they will never be defeated. They will never be defeated because they have multitudes of people throughout the world that's lifting them up in prayer. And that's what we're going to do right now. Let's pray. Lord, in accordance to your word, we join together now in the middle of this service to turn our focus to your chosen people in Israel. Lord, we lift them up. We know that they're pressed on all sides and they're persecuted because of their faith and love in you. Lord, we know because your word tells us as long as you have your hand on them, that they will never be defeated. Lord, we ask that you would continue to provide for them, that you would continue to protect them, Father, and that you would be with those that are suffering at this time. Lord, we also pray, Lord, that you would defeat the enemies, Lord, and that you would scatter them. Lord, and use them, your people, in this last day as a beacon of light in the darkness. Lord, that your will would be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. You don't even know how pretty you look from up here. Beautiful. Turn around somebody and say, you're just looking hot today. <laughs> I didn't mean, any, I just meant you looked like you needed a, a fan. That's all. It's so good to see you this morning. I missed you. I hope you missed me. Uh, but man, the round table, didn't those folks do a great job over the last couple of weeks speaking for you? You may be seated. It's always good to get away, but it's good to get back home. And uh, I'm glad to be here today. And we're so excited. Amen. We're so excited about what today represents. You know, one of the things that, and you'll have to forgive me, I'm a little, I feel a little emotional about it, but early, early, early this morning, even earlier than usual because I didn't set my clock back, so I was up at three o'clock this morning thinking it was four, but early, early this morning, one of the things that I asked the Lord was I said, Lord, this, this is, this is different for Stratford Heights. We've been doing this a couple of years now, and, and it's different. It's us turning our focus away from one another and really doing what Jesus asked us to do when he said, go. Go into all the world. Teach and preach the gospel. Make disciples. And one of the ways that we do that is we begin to turn our focus away from taking care of ourselves. I'm afraid some of the research that I've done has disturbed me greatly. The research says that 96% of United States of America churches today are ineffective and do not have an evangelistic focus 
outside of taking care of themselves. Did you hear this, the number I quoted you? 96%. 80 to 85% of those churches spend their time and their money on their programming to do nothing more than to pat one another on the back and take care of each other. 80 to 85%. One of the things that I asked the Lord very, very early this morning is I said, Lord, if you're in this, I know some people won't be. I know some people don't like it when we do things like this. And I understand that and I'm okay with that and I ain't mad at them. But at the end of the day, I want to please the Lord before I please you. I will please the Lord. And I said this morning, I said, Father God, if you are in this, and I believe that you are, then one more time, like you did last year, one more time, I want you to show your presence strong when we get there. And my, my, has he not done that. I have already sensed his presence. I felt him in this very place today. He said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, and I believe we're here in his name, he said he would be right there in the midst. Sister Garrett, I heard you took a bus to get here today. She had moved up to Columbus and gotten away from us, and she's been gone for about a year. She had her opportunity to come back today, and someone leaned over and said, all she could do today was take a bus to get here. I want you to stand. Your church family welcomes you home, and we love you very much. wonderful, precious, precious saint of God. We love her very much, and we're praying for you as well. She has gone through a, a year of, of incredible sickness, and I want you as a church family to continue to remember her in prayer. We prayed for her this morning. We're going to continue to pray that God will just take her and bring her along, and I'm believing for a healing touch over her body physically. Can you say amen? I said this on Facebook this morning. I said, well, today, worship service is at 10 a.m. Our annual community outreach begins after service. Stratford loves its community and this family fun fest. Once a year, we invite our community into our worship service. Thank you for coming. And onto our campus for a day of serving and loving kids, families, and lots of people. And I quoted what I just quoted to you a moment ago. I said, Barner Research says that 80 to 85% of most churches in the United States are inward focused. They only care about themselves. They spend their time and money on programs and ministry that only take care of each other. They have lost the love and desire to fulfill the words of Jesus when he said, go into all the world. We are to show love, serve in love, reach out to people who need the message of Jesus. If you have found Jesus as your Savior, you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, then today is the day 
one of the days that you can reach out to someone else who may not know what you already know about Christ. It may only be by a smile or a hot dog, but you will be used to show love to our Middletown community. I said, be in church at 10 a.m. and then be the church at the Family Fun Fest. It starts in a little while. See you at church, church, Pastor Ray. I wanna welcome you if you're visiting with us and we have lots of folks visiting. I met the Lanes this morning. Several of you are visiting all across the congregation. Thank you for coming and being here today. We invite you to, to come out after service and be a part of the Family Fun Fest. I'm telling you, it's a blast. We have a great time. There'll be lots of music, fun, food, games, food. Did I say food? There'll be food. And it'll be a wonderful, wonderful morning. I'm excited for what the afternoon holds for us. Now, as the ushers come, they want to serve you today for an opportunity for you to help us in the event that we're planning and we're orchestrating today. All of your gifts will go to the Family Fun Fest. It'll go to our mission, our desire to be a church that loves its community. I hope you like the idea because as pastor of the church, I am more moved than I've ever been. And I've been meeting and talking with people groups of people that are going to be helping us this next year in our 100th year we are going to be turning our focus more than we ever have before we're going to be what we say we are a new testament church in action who loves its community we're going to serve our community we're going to love our community we're going to let the middletown area know that we are here and we're not up on this hill just for ourselves can somebody say amen but we are here to love them and to be a light and a sounding trumpet to the message of Jesus Christ. Your opportunity to give now, to help and to support, and as well, many of you, you've come, you're prepared and you're ready to pay your tithe, and I appreciate so much your obedience to God and that this is your local storehouse. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be in your house, to serve you, to honor you. I pray that you will give us now a great heart and desire, a passion to do everything we can, Lord, to reach out into our community and let it begin with our gifts, with our heart, and with our hands as we serve and as we love. I pray your blessings over the offering today. I pray that you will bless every tithe, giving family. pray that you will touch every heart that has not much, but Lord, they want to help and they are giving what they can. I thank you for this, for the cheerful giver. In Christ's name, amen. Restored my strength. 
amazing grace how sweet sound sing that one let's that expecting to see Brother Roger Carter here this morning, looked up while the choir was singing, saw him in his spot. Brother Roger, we love you. Bring bittersweet news. Sister Darlene Carter, who's been part of our congregation as far back as I can remember, 30 years, I know since I've been here. And then before that, I, I went to church with them when I was a kid. We've been together for about 40 years. Sister Darlene Carter, over the weekend, graduated to her home in heaven. It's quite unexpected, very sudden. And the family needs, of course, our continued prayers. Like I said, I didn't expect you'd be here today, but I, knowing you, of course. But this church loves you. We're going to be there for you. And we miss her too. Wonderful, precious, godly lady. So will you continue, will you help me, will you pray for Brother Roger Carter and for the family, for Mindy Duff and Tim and all of the kids. Keep them in your hearts and minds. We'll announce the, I understand the funeral will be Tuesday. We'll make sure you get that information on the Stratford Heights website. We've been in a series at our church on family foundations. We've been talking about love and marriage and families and children. Talking about our vows and the, the commitments we make, the promises we make. And one of the most important things you got going in your priority of life next to your relationship with God, which is number one, is that person that you covenanted with, that you vowed with, that you have made a promise before God that you would love them for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, until death do you part. We've been in that family foundation series and it's been wonderful Today we'll conclude that with our family foundation focused in another area as the Lord has led me to the book of Psalms to talk about our family, our family foundation in Christ, being part of the family of God. How could we be in a family foundation series and not discuss the love of God, the ministry of of the cross in our lives. Today, especially in light of the passing of Sister Darlene Carter, I, 
I felt that I, I wanted to share a song with you, and they're going to get ready right now to, to begin that. But it's called I Will Rise, that there's a peace I've come to know that I will rise because Jesus Christ has conquered death and brought us into family relationship with him. How many of you are thankful this morning that he paid the price? Amen. I will not sing that song. not going to work, so it wasn't meant to be. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word in Psalm 34? It's a psalm of David. He says these words in verse 1 down through verse 8. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Then he changes tunes and he says why he's magnifying and why he feels such praise in his heart. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Then he goes on and he makes an invitation as we do this morning to every man, woman, boy and girl who's here, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Can you say amen? amen? Father, we come before you this morning. We ask you to bless and to touch us in this day's events and all that we've come, Lord, prepared and ready to do to show your love to our community. We ask you to minister, Lord, to every heart, every life, to every hand will shake, to every smile, to every conversation. I pray that they will see something in us that they want. That they'll see that, that, that glow, they'll see that, that smile, they'll see that, that power in our lives that's transformed us and changed us. The Lord is possibly thousands will come on this property over the next couple of hours, I pray that we'll be anointed. Yes, anointed, Lord, to, to be your hands to them, to be your words to them. I pray over every heart. I pray that you will touch us today in our effort, Lord, to love our neighbors. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray, knowing, Lord, that it begins and it ends with the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ, and everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you.
see how this works. Is it going to go? Testing one. All right, we'll go back to this. The history of Israel. We prayed for Israel, and if you're new to our church this morning, we take time out of every service to take a few moments to concentrate on what the word says for us to do, to focus on the good of Israel and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We do this, and as we have done this over the last several months, we have found that God blesses us, and the Bible's clear to point out that he will bless those who bless Israel, and that we fall under a curse if we don't. Our church supports Israel, say amen. We pray for her, we pray over her borders, we pray over her young people, but you know, Israel has been our example, and all too often, we're so much like them. You see, Israel had this reputation in a cycle that they went through over and over and over again in the Word. They never really could make up their mind who they were. They would call on God when they got in trouble, and they'd serve him for a while. God would bless them. He would deliver them. He would give them victory over their enemies. And then somehow, through the victory in the enemies, they would get settled, and they would begin to get compromising, and the next thing you know, they would begin to disobey and get a little too friendly with the worldly gods and the worldly ways of worship. Somehow, they would always run back to those things that they felt were safe and secure, which was their own strength, their own power, and their own way of doing things. They'd rub elbows with all the wrong people, listen to them too much, talk about their gods. They were not the ones influencing. They were the ones being influenced. They wanted to be accepted. They wanted to fit in. And all too many times, they did just that. They would befriend the world, and the world would befriend them back. Sound familiar? Sounds a lot like people I know. Sounds a lot like my life way back in the day. We do the very same type of things. We have always kind of resented that Christianity made us to, out to be oddballs to the world. We've always kind of did our, our, our best to try to be accepted, to be warmly uh, treated. We've always tried to come from the wrong side of the tracks, to get on the popular side of tracks. We've been looking to be dignified and upper class, and we've done everything in our power to try to be accepted by the world. I don't know. I still don't understand what that cycle is all about. When we have a king who has given his life, when we have a God who abandoned his throne that he might come and bring to us rescue, give us the promise of eternal life, and yet we in this world keep running back to those safe and secure things that we hold on to in this life and in this world. How we look up into the sky and see the new canvas every morning. How we look to the mountains and the oceans. I've just come from a trip where I was down near the equator and on islands where the beauty and the paradise was unbelievable to the eye to see the things that I've seen and to smell the smells of the, the flowers and the bird of paradise and so many different things that grow wild there on the islands where I've just come from. I, I was blown away by that and I had this, I have this relationship with the Lord where I always want to thank him for it and I want to talk to him about it and I want to, want to share with him now. But I remember a time when I didn't, I would see those things and I would feel those things and yet I still took care of myself and found myself taking care of me 
instead of trusting in God, trusting in the creator of the world, the universe, knowing that he's the one who orchestrated and designed and put all of that out there for us. Like Israel, too many times we tend to go back to the beggarly elements. We're drama queens. We're not smart in many ways. We don't understand sometimes. And one of the things that really God knows about us is that we tend to forget. We forget where he brought us from. We forget the night, the day, the service, the song that touched us and transformed us and changed us. And all too often we find ourselves running back to the same old elements we used to hold on to and feel safe and secure with. So many people in today's society, they're looking for the peace and the joy and the love all in the wrong places. They look for them in temporary ways, synthetic ways like alcohol and drugs. And they look for them in places where they try to hook up with the world and they try to rub elbows with all the wrong in the world. But these things do not satisfy We forget where we've come from, and so did Israel. Judges 6 is filled with stories about how Israel befriended the world, and the world befriended them, but then all too often in that neat little, cute little association, that friendship turns into a one-sided affair, and the world begins to demand things from Israel. Then they begin to take from Israel then once they've left them beaten down and vulnerable, then they bring them into bondage. And one too many times I've sat with people who have gone through that befriending of the world. I have found there is no friend in this world. There is no friendliness in this world. There's nothing here. I like the old song that says, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I won't go back. I won't go back. I'm glad I finally have made up my mind. I'm glad I finally drew a line in the sand. I hope you have. But I've learned too much. I've heard too much. I know that under the sound of my voice this morning, there are folks that have not yet found Christ to be all in all. They've not found him to be the author of their faith. They've not found him to be the joy unspeakable and full of glory, the love that is beyond compare, the peace that surpasses all understanding. They've not found him to be the answer. You remember Andre Krauts way back in the day? Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. The disciples looked at Christ in John chapter 14 and said, how do we know the way? How do we know where you're going? And Jesus looked at him and said the words to Thomas, the doubting disciple. And he said the words that is so powerful. I wish we could announce them in every hospital, in every sporting event, every school, every college. I wish we could go to the jails and the prisons and out loud scream this at the top of our lungs. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the answer. There is no other answer. The government will not come through in the end for you. 
Mama and daddy may not always have an answer for you. You may not always find answers in the cares and the things of this world. It won't come through economic security, and it won't come through more doctors and psychiatrists. How many of you know this morning the answer still lies in the pages of this black back holy Bible? God and God alone is the answer for the world. This is our hope. This is our anchor. This is the truth. As we understand this and know this, we'll quit teetering back and forth on a seesaw. We'll quit going back and forth like a yo-yo. We sometimes don't, we treat so carelessly the grace that God has given to us. You've come here today, perhaps you're even visiting. If you've come here, then you already know somebody who knows something, and you already know a few things yourself. You already know about what the answer really is. You've probably been fighting it all your life. You're on somebody's prayer list. Grandma and grandpa have been praying for you. Mama and daddy have been praying for you. You've tried everything under the sun, and you've ran as far as you can run. But today, like a gentleman who called me not too many years ago, about 3 o'clock in the morning, and he said, what do you do when you have done everything they ever told you not to, and it didn't work? I said very plainly, bluntly on the phone that night, I said, you turn to Jesus. You turn to the one who gave his life for you. You turn to the one who loved you so much that he gave everything, suffered everything, took on all of the sin of the entire world in one moment. Some folks have made careless comments saying, well, Lots of people were crucified. Lots of people died. Lots of people were not the sinless son of God who came and on his shoulders was the government and on his shoulders was the sin and the evil of the entire world in one afternoon. But he took all of that upon himself and he gave his life to give you and I eternity with him. How can we not look up into the heavens? And how can we ever look to any sacrifices this world would, we would need to do, need to give in order to make Christ number one in our lives? What sacrifice is worth that exchange? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? But yet we still want to fit in and like Israel, many times, once we found ourselves in bondage, once we found ourselves in addictions, and once we found ourselves in the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups of this world, as Celebrate Recovery talks about in our church, we do exactly what Israel did. So many times we turn and we run and we get back on our knees and we repent and we cry out to God. Once this world takes your home, takes your peace, takes your food, your belongings, takes your freedom. I love the way the world tells you to get free from religion so that you can be free. I have found in my years of experience that the moment I gave my life to Christ, I mean really gave it to him in July of 1981, when I got up from that altar that night, I felt a freedom I've never experienced since. 
I found a freedom that night that it transformed and changed my life. I have no desire to go back to the things the world tells me is freedom. I have found that in him I'm as high as a kite. I'm as free as a bird. I have found love. I have found joy. I don't need a pill. I don't need a drink. I don't need another friend. I've got that friend in Jesus Christ this morning. So the, the answer that comes back to us is Jesus. I, I don't have any new message. I don't have anything new theologically to share with you. I have the same thing you were told by Grandma when you were a kid. I've got the same thing that you learned in Sunday school when you got on the bus. I've got good news. Him as the answer to your problem, Jesus is still the answer to your problem. He's still the hope for you. He's still everything that you'll ever need in this life. Go as far as you can go. Run as far as you can run. But when you get done running, you'll come back full circle to Jesus is the answer. I've learned it. How many have learned it this morning? How many went that road, that cycle, Israel, over and over and over again? Finally, they had to come to a spot, and you and I have to come to the same place where we draw that line in the sand and we make up our mind. I'll never forget in campus choir, Sean Kelly was in the group with me. I don't know if he was there at this particular retreat, but Dr. Horton, David Horton, who passed on a few years ago, was our director, and he was such an amazing man of God, just one of the professors that poured into me more than any other. One night, he walked into our rehearsal, Sister Linda, and we were all sitting there waiting for our devotion. It was a big retreat weekend, and it was the beginning of our retreat, and we thought, man, this is going to be good. He's going to impart something fantastic to us, and we sat there. We were at the Westmore Church and their fellowship hall, and there we sat. I was nervous. It was my first year in campus choir, and I was excited, and he sat down on a chair, and he looked at everybody, and tears welled up in his eyes. And he began to expound this truth. He said, choir, I've got a made-up mind. And we all sat there. And something arrested our spirit. As he looked at the choir and he said, I've got a made-up mind. And we just stared at him. And the tears began to roll down his face. And he said, I'm telling you, I have made up my mind. And the Holy Spirit fell. And I watched as 88 singers got on their face on the carpet and began to weep and began to cry out to God. There was no scripture given that night, although that would have been marvelous. There was no exhortation and no preached word. There was no song sung. It was just those words. I've got a made up mind. And I've never, all these years later, I've never been in a prayer meeting like that one. Oh, if you could just understand how simple it really is this morning. 
It's not nearly as difficult and as hard as you make it out to be. God's not hiding. He's not trying to, he's not trying to play seek and find with you. I promise you, he is right there. He's right there. His love for you was in the morning sunrise. His love for you is in the birds that fly from tree to tree. His love is in the cry of a brand new little baby back here on the fourth row. He is in the heart of the love that you given yourself to all these years. He is everywhere. He's in all places at all times, and he's sending a message through the wind. He sends a message through the songs. He sends a message through his creation. He says, I love you so much. God loves you. He's not far from you, and if you'll seek him this morning, just take a few moments to turn your attention and make up your mind that you're done with the garbage of this life. You're done with the game plan and the garbage of the world, you're done playing. And you have made up your mind. When you have come to that place, I promise you, your life will transform and change in a moment and you will feel the power of Almighty God. It is that simple. You say, preacher, I don't believe that. I don't believe it can just be that simple. Jesus said in John 10.10, he said, for the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, I've not come to condemn the world. I've come to save the world. Religion has gotten the way. I'll give you that. Religious attitudes and people have ruined things through the years and they put a bitter taste in the world's eye on the church. But that doesn't mean one thing when it comes to the truth that Jesus Christ is still the answer. That he is the Savior and that he is God Almighty. We've got to understand the devil will always have a counterfeit for the real. But there's got to be a real in order for there to be a fake. And I'm here to tell you this morning, he found me. He had to reach down, but he found me. And when he turned me upside down, I gave him my whole life. And I love him this morning. I don't have a whole lot in my favor. I don't have a whole lot of talent and ability that would impress many in this world. But what I do have is I have a friendship and a relationship with God Almighty, with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I'm telling you what, that means everything to me. The world will try to kill you. The Lord will try to mess with you, unwire your brain, try to, to make you think different. They'll try to tell you how to live, how to walk, how to talk, how to live out your life. They'll tell you what to wear. They'll do everything they can to try to control you. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord speaking to someone this morning. You've done everything in your power to try to make it work out there. And you know why you found yourself, you found your way in here today? Because like Israel, it keeps coming full circle. You've come and you find the peace, you find the joy, you find the love, you make the connection with Christ, and then the world starts drawing, the world starts wooing, the world starts calling, and you go and you try to befriend and try to get accepted and you try to fit in. And how many of you know this morning we are an odd bunch? We don't fit. We are absolutely, we are different than them. The Bible tells us we're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. A peculiar people. 
And I've said it before, some of you more peculiar than others. But we're citizens of another land. We're citizens of another country. A place that all too soon, all too quickly, we're all going to be reunited together, Brother Carter. It won't be long. It won't be long now. The signs of the times are everywhere. And I'm believing in a reunion day. I'm believing in a time when we will be together forever in the presence of the Lord. Can you hardly imagine what it would be like when you hear him call your name? When you hear his voice? I've always been curious as to what he really looks like. You know, people have drawn pictures and painted portraits and there have been all kinds of people try to tell us what he looks like. I can't hardly wait to look at him myself, look into his eyes, hear that voice, and hear him say to me, well done, Ray. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few little things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. This is the hope and the promise that all of us have in Christ. This is why we can have a family fun fest and why we can want to reach out to the community and why we want to share with others who are lost. You know, I don't understand why a bunch of saved people want to just sit around in a little commune and wait on the bus to come and take them home. I don't understand it. You know, when you've got something inside you that has changed you and transformed you, you want to tell everybody, you want to get out on the rooftop and scream it to the world. You want to shout it. You want the whole world to know. And I'm here to tell you this morning, that's the relationship that we've got to have with the Lord. We've got to have that one that will literally cause us to be about making sure this world knows that he's the answer. Too many times we play the game. I'm calling not only those who are lost and feel desperate, need Jesus to come into their circumstance, into their life, into their heart, but I'm also talking to the church. When I read those statistics about how the church has changed its focus, it scares me. Because, Brother Jay, I'll be honest with you, there, have been, there were many years that I thought it was about me getting blessed, me being happy on the pew, me coming and hearing the right song, and me hearing the good word, me getting blessed over and over and over again, me coming to eat. I honestly have felt, and for years I think I was caught up in that attitude. But it's only recently and in the last few years that, that I am sensing and understanding that this is not something that's supposed to just keep feeding me all the time. When I find truth and when I find a wellspring, I want to make sure others have the same. What did the woman do at the well when Jesus was there at Samaria to meet her? It says that she, let, she came there for water. She came in. I come here to get fed. I come here to get a word. I, I want to come and worship. The Bible tells us to gather together, to come together in his house. But I want to be like that that lady there that brought her pots to come and get the water in the heat of the day met the master, and what'd she do? She didn't care about the water, did she? 
after she known him and met him and he transformed and told her all that he told her, it says she left her water pots and she went running back to the city and said, come see a man. Oh, we need more people in the Kroger and Meyer and Walmart calling, telling folks, you've come, you've got to come meet the man. You've got to come and see this one that has transformed and changed me. He's turned my life upside down. That's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? Say amen. I believe it. I believe it, and this world needs it. We've got to show them the authentic reality of Christ. I said it in a prayer earlier today. I want people to want what I got. Did you hear that? I want people to want what I got. I want it to be something inside of me that's caused me to glow. What did that scripture in our text say? It said, they looked unto him, in verse 5, and were lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. They looked unto him. And they were changed. They glowed. They were enlightened. And they were unashamed. They were bold. I challenged the church as well this morning to truly find in our seeking the relationship that he has promised us in his word. He's not called you to mediocrity. He's not called you to a half-hearted relationship. And oh, please understand when I say this, he's not called you to religion. He has not called you to religiosity. He's called you to intimacy. Intimacy that transforms and changes you so that people, when they see you, wherever they see you, they want what you got. Would you stand with me this morning? It was Peter. When he was in the boat in the middle of the storm, He looked out across the water and he saw what he thought was a ghost, but he dared think it just might be the Lord. And he said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you on the water. The thing about that that's so amazing is simply this. Peter did not he did not in any way doubt that God could not bring him across that water just like he was. I want you to know God has got a transformation for you. He's got a life change for you. You will not go back into the same old life. You, you can't do that. The only way that happens is if you want to run back to the world like Israel over and over again. You want to just keep running back. You don't want to know where your failure has been or where your disappointment has been. It's not been in what you found. 
It's not been at what, who was waiting for you at the well. It's not been in Christ. The disappointment comes when we see him, we experience him, and we forget. And we run back to the world. And how many of you found that on those trips back, it never, ever works? Jesus is the answer. He always was. He always will be. Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus. There are not many roads. There are not many ways, many paths. There are not many different philosophies, and there are no other gods. Jesus is the way. And if you'll draw that line in the sand, and if you will make up your mind, he'll heal you, he'll deliver you, he'll transform you, he'll turn your night into day, the horror of your mess, he'll turn it upside down. I promise you, if you stay focused on him as your answer, your life We've completely transformed and changed. How many can testify to it this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I'm going to make this invitation. I'd ask that no one move around, no one speak, please, to anyone else around you. Just in the next few moments, this very sacred time. There are many here today. I believe there are many that have come here on purpose. You're, you're not accidentally here. You didn't just come for the family fun fest food. You didn't just come to work in a booth. You, you didn't just happen up on the property. I promise you, you're here on purpose. The Lord has intended this moment for you. You're here and you need the Lord. You've tried every other way. Like Peter, you're, in so many ways, you found yourself, you've sought him, you've tried church, you've tried religion, you've prayed the prayer, but you've gotten away, and you keep running back to that safety, that security in the world. You keep running back, you got this cycle going on, just like Israel. And you've made a mess of things, and here you are. I'm talking to somebody. And how you ended up here this morning, you're not even positive. You're not even sure what in the world's going on. Your life is in turmoil. You're in a mess. Your heart's torn to pieces. And you're hoping that what I'm saying to you is right today. You're hoping that you can hold on to these words. Let me tell you something. He's the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the Savior, and he's going to show himself powerful on your behalf today. I believe it with all my heart. I've already prayed for you. I've already, already had a burden for you this morning. I know your life is going to be transformed. I can't promise anything. I couldn't promise a change in your life. I, I couldn't do that. 
And in myself, I would never do that. Not in the name of the church, the church of God. Not in the name of any preacher, any Christian in this room. But I can sure tell you this. I can promise you that if you draw that line in the sand and you give your life, you make up your mind that Jesus is your answer. You run to him today. I promise you, he's going to change your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're the one, you already know who you are, you're standing there, your hands are sweaty, you, your heart's beating quickly, and you, you don't even know what to do next. We're going to pray a prayer in just a few moments. We're going to make an altar right there out of your seat. You don't have to sign a document. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to give blood. You don't have to give an offering. Jesus is going to meet you right where you're standing. And he's going to change your life. If you're here today and that is you, and to the sound of my voice, if you're ready, and the Holy Spirit's knocking on your door, and you're ready to say yes to him, not maybe, but yes, then I want you to shoot your hand up and right back down. We're going to pray together this morning. Amen. God bless you. Any other? God bless you. Any others? God bless you. Waiting just a few more. Amen. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. God, I see you. God bless you. Christians, you're praying, right? Hands are going up everywhere. The Holy Spirit is doing a work in here. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. All right. Let's sing this together. Jesus is the way. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. For the world today, above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Just a few more seconds. Is there anyone else? Before we pray, we're going to pray right now. Anyone else? God bless you, son. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? I want to pray today. I'm ready. I'm ready to give Jesus everything. Many have lifted their hands. We thank God for you. The decision you're making right here and right now is going to transform everything. The Lord is going to meet you right where you are. Church, I want you to help me. I want us to pray together right now. Most important prayer of their lives happening right now. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as the Savior I declare you're my Lord. You died on the cross for me. 
you rose from the dead. You carried all my sin. I give you my life. I give you my future, my hope, my peace, and my love. And I declare that according to your word, I confess you with my mouth. I believe it in my heart. So I'm saved. Hear it, devil. Hear it, world. I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Oh, Jesus is the answer. For the world today, above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. And church, I would ask you, before we're dismissed, and Richard's going to come and give some instruction about what's to take place next, but I would challenge you this morning, as you leave here with your family, and you're here this afternoon with your friends, and all the little kids that'll be running around, I want us to be a church that remembers who he is and what he's done for us and that we seek him with all of our hearts to be the church that he wants us to be, to be on fire, to truly love the lost in this community, that we turn our focus not always so much on us. It's right for us to love one another, to take care of one another. It's right to shepherd one another. As long as we don't lose the focus that we've got to get in as many as we possibly can as our number one priority. If you agree with that, say amen. I want to be a church that loves this city, loves this community, and loves the Lord Jesus with everything in us so that we represent him well. Amen? Amen. God bless you. All right. As you are being dismissed today, we want you to know that we've been gearing up for the large crowd to come at 12 noon, so when we dismiss and you go out there, you have to forgive us if you catch one or two people that are not in their places, but we are gearing up for 12 o'clock, and I'm sure you understand that. Also, if you've signed up to volunteer somewhere, or you meant to, and you were like, oh, I want to do something, I want to give you instruction. Go out, you'll find the information desk at the back corner of the parking lot. Talk to the person there, and they will get you set up and get you in the right place. Also, we'll be busy here all day until 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock will be our teardown. If you want to be a part of that, you can be here till 5 or come back at 5 and help us with that. And since we're going to be here all day, we are not having service, but we like everybody to be here and be together and have a wonderful time. Amen? We're going to pray one more time, and then we're going to dismiss, and we're just going to have a wonderful time. Dear Heavenly Father, we honor you and we praise you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your hand that's with us already, that's been here today, and thank you for those that got saved. God, we just pray that you would have your way in the fellowship we have all day. Just let your blessings be here, touch hearts, change lives, and let your work be accomplished and done. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.
Sure.